So yeah, traveling and getting out there and pushing and, and, and um, just challenging your beliefs and your potential, then that really allows you, gives you the sort of the tools for sitting in front of a, a potential employer to, to sort of frame your mindset to achieve what you're ultimately trying to achieve, which is getting that job. You know what I mean? I think that's, um, uh, I think that's really important. Hello, I'm Alan Hill. In this podcast series of The Nostalgic Vagabond, we're talking travel, all kinds of travel, with all kinds of interesting people from all around the world. In conversation, we'll share personal anecdotes, tales of adventure, and maybe misadventure too. Listen in for some unique cultural perspectives, tips from seasoned veterans, and an array of diverse experiences that have contributed to many life-changing journeys. Travel really is a privilege. We know that now. And if we can't do it right this very moment, let's talk about it then. Hey, where are you right now? On this episode of the Nostalgic Vagabond podcast, I talk with Simon Palmer. Simon has been practicing architecture for well over 10 years in his home country of Australia and abroad too. The interesting thing about Simon in discovering who he is and what path he would choose as a 20-year-old is that his decisions stemmed from experiences abroad and the solo travels he made between studying at university and undertaking tertiary qualifications. That so-called gap year, you could say. Get. A. Purpose. Or in his words, that cliché of finding himself. In conversation, we reminisce on times at the University of Canberra, while we were both students there in 2005... 2006-ish. Simon mentions how he felt grateful and even privileged to be allowed the opportunity to study, to realise his career ambition, to design buildings for his vocation. Simon explains in detail the events which happened in Berlin, where he was challenged about the person he was and the person he could be. This all happened in the beautifully designed Holocaust Museum in Berlin, and then his chance encounter with the soothsayer of sorts on the streets outside. We talk about savouring moments, and how at a young age Simon discovered this practice, and has carried it with him throughout his life. This is interesting, because it was this act, savouring moments, which caught my attention of him in the first place. I have a very visual memory of Simon enjoying an obscure beer while chilling at a university party, where the rest, the rest of the students, were drinking cheap box wine, as quickly as possible. No savouring at all. And not even tasting at all, most probably. Because it tastes bloody awful, that box wine. Simon shares some suggestions of places to go and savour life's moments from his experiences. Places like the Greek islands, Croatia, Costa Rica, and New Zealand, surprisingly for one of the best night skies in the world. But recently Simon has found, even if it's just a casual walk, run, or a bike ride in your 15-minute neighbourhood. This simple act can reinvigorate the mind, especially in COVID times. We discuss whether international experience, travel, and working, living abroad impacts on your job and future prospects. And to conclude, Simon tells of his thoughts on possible destinations to explore in the future in the upcoming post-COVID global experience. Anyways... Let's get to the conversation. 
<laughs> cool. Well, uh, we'll go from now if you're ready. Got your coffee? Okay, cool. Good morning, Simon Palmer, and thanks for getting up bright and early and coming on for a chat on the Nostalgic Vagabond podcast. Good morning, Alan. Thank you for having me. Yes, it's uh, been a long, long time since we've seen each other. I think I was probably back in Canberra 15 or so years ago, so that's probably the last time we saw each other in the flesh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it was a long time ago. Uh, it feels like a lifetime ago, really. <laughs> Where exactly are you right now, though, Simon? Well, so, you know, when we uh, when we first met, uh, I mean, that was Canberra, Australia, but I'm now all the way over over the pond, so to speak, over in uh, California, USA, in a, a little, small, little sleepy beachside town called Carpinteria, south east of Santa Barbara, you know, 10 minutes drive. Nice. And curiously, what's the COVID situation like in California right now? Are you guys doing okay or are you still struggling a bit? We were struggling for a long time and we're now the tide's slowly sort of turning for us, which is, and the situation is not as dire together with, you know, everyone wearing masks everywhere you go, people wearing masks. Uh, now that the vaccinations are, are plentiful, I think we can... I think uh, April the fifteenth, I believe, is when all age groups can can just go and get a vaccination. Mm. I believe it'll all go back to normal. I, I, I think I think the crisis of people uh, coming down with COVID nineteen will will reside, but uh, I think companies will take a little while to to get their sort of governance back into order. Yeah, I I feel like it's going to take a little time. Mm. Best to be patient in these times, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. And I think, yeah, and people will be working remotely for a little while longer. And frankly, it's it's kind of a blessing in disguise. I'm really enjoying it. <laughs> well, let's, let's go and turn on a bit of the nostalgia, Simon, because we met, like we mentioned just now, back in Australia in Canberra in the capital city. And if my memory serves me correctly, mm-hmm. it was way back in 2005 because we were living in this really shabby university residential block right down at the arse end of campus, like literally the last accommodation block you could get to. I have this visual memory of, of the night we met because we were having a party on the campus in our residential building. And, you know, everyone knows university parties can be a bit lairish, wild and kind of crazy. But I remember... While everyone, you know, all the students, all my colleagues and peers were drinking cheap wine, which is goon, and the cheapest beers they could find, there you were just chilling on the side out in the veranda with a very interesting, I think it was a dark lager or some kind of exotic European style brown beer or something. And that was just so different and intriguing to me and kind of so mature. And then I thought, Huh, this guy seems like he's lived before he's come to university. So am I giving a, an accurate representation of my memory? And do you even remember uh, what it was like for you in 2005 at university? Yeah, absolutely. I remember um, vividly. Yeah, university for me uh, wasn't... I gotta, well, To answer your question very quickly is that I felt privileged to sort of be there. It sounds kind of lame to say that, but give you a little bit of backstory... I didn't have university really on uh, sort of in my sights in high school. I 
others just doing everything else that you can imagine um, other than focusing on studying and stuff like that. And then uh, a couple of things happened and actually uh, my high school teacher, uh, Mr. Jones, Mr. Jo- uh, Jonesy, uh, we, we used to call him, he um, saw that I was messing around in, at school and he pulled me to the side and pulled me into his office and he said, look out that window. Look at all those people walking up and down the street and the head down looking, looking, you know, sad as anything. They're off to jobs that they didn't necessarily want to do. They were sort of fell into the place. And for the majority of people, that's exactly what happens. And so it's up to you, it's up to all of us as individuals to sort of take a step back, start to think about really who you are as a person and what you want to do. And at the same time, just take in and absorb every opportunity that comes your way. So between high school and university, I was fortunate enough to go with my parents over to Washington, D.C. to live for about a year and a half. They were there for like three or four years uh, with my sister, in fact. And in that time, we went over to, we, uh, we were in Washington, D.C. in America because my dad got a placement there. And my sister and I, we decided let's make the most of this and let's go over to go over to Europe or go over to London first and for about six months. And so we did that and we went basically working behind bars as every Australian does at some point in their life, <laughs> uh, frankly, working behind bars. What was the saying? We came from behind bars and we went back to work behind bars <laughs> in London. So that's exactly what happened, I guess. Uh, ironically, so uh, working behind bars, uh, having a great, you know, in, having a lot of fun. And each week, uh, each month, they would pay me in in cash, in sterling, and I had to put that around like a, a waste sort of money belt and take it home with me and sort of stash it in a pillow, sort of thing. <laughs> And I accumulated a little bit of little bit of money after paying rent and bills and et cetera. And I said, oh, come on, let's take this to the next step. Why not? Let's, I'm going to get a flight over to Europe and sort of swing around Europe over the course of two weeks. And um asked my sister, and she was, and she was interested, but she was like, oh, um, I think I think she was having too much fun at her bar in London. Uh, to consider Europe and all sorts of stuff. So I was like, okay, well, you know, I'm going to do it. So I went out by myself, flew over to Prague, and then took public transport uh, sort of over to Germany, Berlin, down to France, et cetera, and then back over to London. And in doing so, I I really, you know, corny thing to say, sort of about myself, right? Started to understand what I wanted to do with my life. So then coming back to Australia, sort of fast forward, and we can come back to um, Europe. But fast forwarding, coming to Canberra, I then had to do an entrance exam to get into the university and, and, and not rely on my woeful scores from high school. So I had to go through sort of an um, entrance exam. So at that point, you know, right up to that, and then when we were at that party, for instance, and many parties, I guess, <laughs> I just felt privileged to be there because I had gone through a process you know, spiritually, I guess, and and definitely personally to get to that point. Uh, and so I sort of savoured the moment. So I guess a good 
a good beer, a good uh, stout. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a good way to savor the moment. So that's why you saw me with that um, good ale. So it was a stout, not a dark lager, but it definitely was a dark beer because I was super intrigued because it was very different to what all the rest of us were drinking. But it's interesting you... I think it was a Pilsner. I think it was a dark Pilsner. Okay. It's interesting that you used the word you felt privileged to be at university because I think most students probably just feel entitled to be at university because that's just the progress that most people Mm. take. And I think as well as the fact that you felt grateful to be able to study and go forward with your your dream and your education to become an architect which is what you we were studying at the time i think also the life experiences that you had living abroad and just the 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 maturity and growth that you had just in that time from leaving high school to going to university made me observe that there was a different quality in you than the rest of the people who were still like 17, 18 and continuing their high school partying mm-hmm. um, ways and mindsets carrying into first year university. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. I mean, I was, I was a little bit older uh, than everyone there, but uh, which, which helps. And I think it's, I think it's really, um, uh, I don't know. I think I think we all think that you know we all know that life's life's too short. But taking a moment, um, even you know, like you know, like taking a gap year, for instance, is really important to sort of to to reevaluate. Yeah, and I and the feeling of being left behind is you know every everyone worries about not being part of the community mm. and being part of this status quo. I think that status quo is slowly changing too right. now, uh, which is an important thing to add, especially with um, work in the workforce. You know, 10, 15 years ago, it was heard of, but it was sort of frowned upon with people moving around every two, three years. Now it's, it's sort of the status quo. It's the norm mm. to flex, to, to sort of flex your, your professional muscles, I guess, across diverse industries because we all can recognize that that's really beneficial. Yeah, I know when I was going to high school, I was being brainwashed into the idea that you have to get a good grade at high school because then you get into a good university and then you can study hard at university to get a decent job. No one ever talks about life experiences when you're young or getting street smarts it may be before book smarts or even during the time you're studying in the time holiday time that you get off. I wish my teachers were telling me, go out and live, not just purely mm. get a good grade and study because that's what you have to do. Because I don't know whether that's the complete truth. And when I see people like I saw with you at the university and how hard you were working and how focused you were working on your studies because you really wanted to do it and you really were driven to get through and then follow your dream. Whereas it seemed like the rest, even a little bit of me included too as well, because even though I was older than some, I still didn't really know what I was doing at university. I wasn't completely focused on a particular goal. I was just there because I still thought that's what the rite of passage was. I was just at university like everybody else. And there's that kind of yeah, I'm here because this is just what you do. And so the motivation is different, isn't it? Yeah, sure. I mean, I wasn't like totally, I mean, 
I mean, yes, I, I was focused on 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 architecture, but it's it's kind of hard to describe. But like, I'm sure we've all got this to some degree. But you know, you you have you have an idea of of something that you want to um, achieve, but you give yourself bandwidth to be able to 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 invite things in to sort of to inform your decisions, I guess. But you've got a sort of a firm hand on the, the rudder of the ship, so to speak. <laughs> so you can turn it if you need to. And I, and that's a, and that's a thing I, I, to this day, you know, still try to grapple with and, and understand and, and get better at. Mm. Let's talk about, Simon, mm. that journey that you took. You said it was a sort of a cliche journey of going into the continent of Europe and finding yourself when you were in between your high school and university days. Can you recall in your mind a moment when you found yourself or or a moment where you decided what you were going to do once you returned to Australia? Was it a particular city or a particular uh, visual you were looking at that said, right, I think I'm going to really focus on doing this for the next chapter of my life? Uh, yeah, I was actually, yeah. Um, so as I was mentioning before, Flew up to Prague and and sort of you know met backpack sort of uh, my way across uh, Western Europe. Um, I came into Berlin. I mean, two things sort of happened actually. So the one one thing was yes, I, I definitely I'd always been doing art, for instance, and I I at that at that point I had done some study into color theory, uh, which was interesting because it's it's very technical side of 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 art basically. I sort of love that sort of area and and the technical side of creativity, so to speak. So anyway, I arrived in Berlin and I fell in love with the buildings and the and the culture and the cities. The city's beautiful. I came across a beautiful building by an architect called Daniel Lipskin, and it's uh, a building which is the Jewish Holocaust Museum. Mm-hmm. Um, beautiful building. It's really it's basically the swastika carved up like someone's put it on the table and sort of hacked at it and then shifted all of the the arms that fly out from the swatch sticker in different directions and stack them and um and that creates the sort of circulation for this entire museum mm-hmm. it's really fascinating and there's spaces in there where there's a room that someone lets you in it's a huge door and they let you in and they close the door and it is completely dark. And there's not even a, there's not an ounce of light anywhere, except for this little tiny hole way up in the ceiling. And it's try it tries to recreate the sense of foreboding and um, sort of and and feeling of just being lost and just, um, and and you're worthless almost because they're trying to um, not only have a museum for some event but impart some sort of understanding on the visitor of what it really was like being um, in that time of history and being being one of the survivors potentially too. So I found that fascinating. I was just like, okay, wow, this is an experiential um, place and experiential design. And so that's how I fell in love with architecture. Um, it's actually with that building. Mm. So, I mean, that's that's what really got me interested. And another thing is, is that I ran into this, 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 uh, I was thinking about this a couple of days ago. Uh, I ran into some guy on the street who was doing, who was 
was doing like fortune telling and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> and so I've got the piece of paper still here with me to this day. You write down like your, your age and, you know, um, like favorite color, I think it was, and your, you know, passion. And then you, you hold the paper and put it in your pocket, whatever. And then, and then he, he sort of, he works it out and he, he basically reproduced the same thing on another piece of paper. And it was, yeah, I was 20, I think it was 20 years old. Favorite colors were like blue and then passion at that point was architecture. And so he wrote that down and I was like, I was flummoxed Wow! because it was like, wow, that's just aligned with exactly what I've just been thinking about and feeling. And the, and then on the flip side of it, like the fact that uh, I'm be, I've been just been read like a book. And it's like, well, I need to, I need to not only follow my passion, but I need to um, challenge that hopefully as much as I can on a daily basis from there on. So I've sort of lived by the, those sort of feelings, principles of me. Hmm. Wow. That's fascinating. Do you think if you had not have had these solo trips, as you've expressed in Europe, going around Czechia and Germany and places like that in your when you were 20, do you think your life would have taken a different direction or do you think you would have ended up settling down for architecture anyway? Um, that's an interesting question. I think, I, I th- I think uh, I'm, I'm on some sort of right you know, course, <laughs> so to speak, some sort of right direction. It's just a matter of how how quickly you can, I mean, I don't know, I guess it's different for different people, right? But I think it's important if you can, if you can um, refine your passion in a meaningful and methodological, uh, met- in, a, in a sort of a quickly, in a quick way, because we've only got so many, you know, years of, of, to live right yeah not to sound foreboding or anything like that <laughs> but i think if 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 um if i hadn't gone through all my life experiences which allowed me to understand myself as an indiv- individual better uh it would have been a slower process and i may be you know um now today would be halfway um to where i am now you know if i hadn't gone to university perhaps but then again, I don't know, experiences have come along and change mindsets. Mm. So, but definitely creativity. I really, I'm interested in design and creativity. Um, it's an energizer of mine. It gets me interested in whatever I'm doing. I do software development um, and design um, now in my job as well mm. as, as um, designing buildings. So whatever it is, creativity is what sparks my flame. Yeah. I, it's interesting you say that because I was doing a podcast recording earlier today uh, with a British guy who's since moved to Italy about 18 months ago. And he said that being in a foreign country and experiencing a new place and immersing himself in a new culture has really reignited a lot of his creative flames from you know when he was younger when he was into music and and writing creatively and stuff like that and it's the same for me when i'm in a place that is unfamiliar my brain seems to be fed with so much new stimuli that it just it it's charged and i feel like i need to release that through creativity mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. do you have any kind of comment on that yeah well 
I, I, re- I listened to a really interesting podcast, uh, I think it was a couple of months ago, but they were talking about creativity and for um, regards to poets and famous songwriters. And they went through a couple of songwriters, but how they, how they explained um, when they get a good idea. And like, uh, I think they were talking about Tom, Tom Waits, mm-hmm. f- uh, famous singer-songwriter that he's since passed, but he lived in L.A., and he would be stuck in traffic in his great big, you know, Cadillac. And he had this uh, comment about how he would have a great idea and it would come flying down from the sky and he, and he would explain this whole, this whole process and, and, and it would be coming down and as it sort of flows through him, he would be like trying to f- like find a pen and paper to try and like grab it. And he could feel it like slipping through and he said how he can like, he would grab, you know, by its tail, just as it's trying to, just to try, try to like fly down and maybe go through the next car and give someone another, give someone that idea instead of him. And so he would have to like drag it back in by the tail and then grab its legs and then absorb it. And just uh, it was just really fascinating how they sort of, what's the word like, um, um, made a physical form of creativity like that. Mm. Uh, I find it fascinating. Yeah. I've been thinking more recently about what university life must be like for students right now with this whole lockdown and basically being stuck at home and not going into the campus and doing all their classes through Zoom and e-learning and stuff like that. I mean, that I don't think would work very well for me. I'm just very curious as to how students are coping with that. I was wondering with you, Simon, if you were someone who went straight through to uni, I know you were saying that you had to do a bridging course and everything because your high school grades weren't weren't up to standard to get into architecture in the first place. But do you think having that traveling experience before you went to university enabled you to be like a better student, if that makes sense? Yeah, absolutely. I think for those reasons I, I, I alluded to in, uh, earlier on with, with giving your, um, like kind of like having that, that beer that, you know, sitting there with a, with a good beer instead of just a goon bag. <laughs> um, I mean, you can have a good wine or, you know, whatever's your flavor, but savoring the moment and understanding where you, where and what you feel um, you should be doing with your life, you know, mm. and being privileged and grateful. I mean, I think gratitude uh, is something we need to learn much, much, much earlier than we do. And I think that's the problem with people going from school straight into university. They feel like they're just keeping up with the status quo, just rolling on. But we don't work that way. Mm. And having a feeling of gratitude and taking that into uh, whatever you do in life um, will will give you the tools uh, and inspiration to, to, to really reach out for the things that, that matter most to you. And so you apply yourself, mm. you know, obviously out of that process. So uh, that, does that answer your question? Yeah, definitely. And I, it's interesting you said that the whole savoring the moment quote, I see that as a very mature thing to say and to conduct yourself with or abide by. That seems like a very wise and and something you would acquire with age 
And here you are as a 20-year-old savoring a dark-colored beer amongst students who probably have never even considered the idea of savoring the moment before because they've never had that they haven't had lived long enough perhaps but also perhaps they hadn't traveled like you because with me and i i would say assume for most travelers when you go away you know on your own for example and you spend a decent amount of time abroad everything kind of slows down and you can kind of think a lot and ponder yourself and what's important to you the whole slowing down enables you to to find happiness in the smallest things and like you say to savor the moment i mean that's what life is all about right it's just little moments and then little memories that accumulate to when you're an older person and you can just be nostalgic and reflect mm -hmm. on all these wonderful wonderful things that happened you know be grateful for all those opportunities that came by mm -hmm. yeah totally i mean you can get into like stoicism is uh is, is sort of fascinating to me as well. Um, um, you know, taking it every moment is really important. My, my wife is, she's a yoga teacher. Mm -hmm. And so, and I've, I've only done yoga like a, a handful of times, probably count on one hand to be honest. Um, but <laughs> I do appreciate the fact that you can the sitting just the, the moment where you just sit and just close your eyes and just listen to the things around you take it in, be informed by what's, what's happening around you, you know, cut out the noise. Um, it's really, it's really important. Um, and it's a life preserver too. It's not just a sort of a whack job idea. It's, it's, um, it's something that can really, it's super beneficial uh, for professional life, for, for sort of giving you direction as well for everything you do in life. Mm. I think it's really important to take a step back and enjoy the, Enjoy a good beer or, you know, smell the, smell the roses, as you say. <laughs> Simon, if there are any younger people listening at the moment who are finishing high school or perhaps are in the middle of university and when travel becomes possible again and they're really itching to go somewhere, but perhaps they don't know where, could you recommend any destinations that were valuable in your traveling journey that you could say, well, I suggest you might go here and smell the roses. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, well, there's so many places, right? I mean, it's crazy. There's so many great places. I mean, right now, uh, if you can during the pandemic, just get in your car or just get on your bike, whatever, go for, you know, go for a run and get out. Uh, I mean, even there's the talk about the 15 minute neighborhood. Um, within your radius of wherever you live, just get out there and, and uh, interact with as many people as possible. Sounds kind of silly, like, oh, we've got to get on a plane and fly across the world. But even just doing that is really, really important and, and a great experience. But um, there are places, yeah, like over in Greece, a couple of beautiful islands like Skiathos and Skopelos went there for my um, honeymoon. And it was... Um, Another moment that I was breathtaking. I was on an ATV with my wife that we just married just a week earlier. I'm on an ATV going around the island, and we had to pull over because they had this, this great big uh, herd of sheep were sort of going around the bend of the island by themselves because they just had done this for years and years and probably decades and just learned from one another as the herd sort of shrunk and grew and shrunk and grew. 
Um, but anyway, because there was no human around, they were just moving around and it was dusk. We just sat back and just sort of like, we felt like to begin with, like, oh, I've got to get around these sheep. But we were just like, no, let's just sit and just watch and enjoy this Mediterranean island, this, this herd of sheep that are just doing their thing. Let's not interrupt them. Um, and just take in the moment, savor it, just drink it, drink the moment. Mm. Uh, so anyway, Greece, Mediterranean islands, wow, fantastic. Croatia, wow. The food there, the, the seafood is amazing. The olive oil there is so thick. Uh, it's just, it's like honey. It's like a molasses almost. So thick, so good. And the water is beautiful, pristine. Croatia is beautiful. Uh, and um, uh, during my studies in university, I'd like to add, I went on exchange for my second last, the second last year over in Switzerland. And I highly, 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 highly recommend um, going on exchange. If you can't do a gap year, definitely do an exchange, but do both if you can. Mm. <laughs> um, uh, so I lived over in um, the lower part of Switzerland in a canton called Ticino, and I had to learn Italian really quickly uh, and because I had to present in Italian, uh, present architectural models and ideas in Italian, um, which, was, which was hard. <laughs> but challenge yourself, you know. Go to go traveling to another country that doesn't necessarily speak English as their primary language. And, and you know, actually by doing that, you'll find some gems that you don't you wouldn't necessarily see if you're just sticking to a, an all English sort of um, speaking path. So yeah, definitely Mediterranean, uh, Costa Rica. is beautiful. There's a little town called Montezuma. Mm-hmm. Uh, we used to call it Montefuma because you go there, uh, it's on the west coast of, uh, it's on this little peninsula uh, in Costa Rica and there's a little town, yeah, there's a little town called Montezuma and on the beach there, there's so much weed everywhere. <laughs> People, <laughs> it's just crazy and the, there's, not many, there's not many houses around. There's just this great big pub on the end of the beach in um, Montezuma and that thing's lit up and you can be at the other end of, on the sand, just enjoying the, the stellar night sky down there, and uh, and have a drink down the water, and um, and maybe a and maybe a spliff. Um, and then talking about <laughs> uh, so that that's that's a lot of fun. Uh, talking about night skies, you want to really have a beautiful night sky. New Zealand uh, has one of the uh, World Heritage listed areas for for observing the night sky. Um, in the world, hmm. right in the middle of the South Island, um, near a lake called Lake Tikapu. I'm sure I'm pronouncing that all wrong because the Kiwis listening to this, they'll correct me, I'm sure. But um, there is a amazing night sky to appreciate there. Um, and there's an outdoor, so natural springs, natural hot springs there um, that are really well maintained, really good facilities, actually. And it's just beautiful. So go there by yourself or Take a loved one or, you know, find someone special there too. I mean, it's a, it's a beautiful spot. Brilliant. All very good suggestions. And I got the impression that they're all pretty much beaches except for Switzerland. So I can kind of, <laughs> there's still a bit of Aussie left in you there, Simon. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's time for... My favourite four. 
So I've just got a few quick fire questions, Simon, that I want to ask you about four of your favorite things. Mm -hmm. Okay. What is your favorite piece of clothing? Favorite piece of clothing? Oh, uh, in Thailand, there is these pants that are fantastic that are, they're just so flexible where you can, they, it's quite baggy, but they sort of wrap around you like a, like almost like a sarong, but they're not, Mm. they are literally pants and they have a string that ties around. They just allow you to like, you know, strip down, jump in the, jump in the, the seat or, you know, get them on and go up to the markets to, to get a feed. Just very casual and they just, they just speak to the, the um, experience of, of living in Thailand, just super chill. They sound very comfortable as well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what is your favourite foreign word? Well, I just think of swear words now. <laughs> well, that's, that's, that's fine. You wouldn't be the first person. <laughs> or Bafanculo. Um, um, <laughs> it's not a nice thing to say yeah italian italian cursing is that something you said in the architectural office a few times yeah exactly when, <laughs> yeah yeah exactly with a little bit of, with a little bit of hand gestures too you know really puts it across <laughs> <laughs> do you have a favorite geographical landmark oh that's hard You've been too many places. It's hard to narrow it down, isn't it? So can it be like natural or? Sure, sure. There, uh, when I was studying in um, Switzerland, there was a mountain called a Monte Generoso. And that, uh, when I first got there, I was like, I'm going to climb that thing. And, you know, packed a lunch and, a, and, and went for it. But I used to always, while studying there, I always look at it and think, yeah, I went to there and I went especially in like the middle of winter when the whole thing's covered in snow, I would think, you know, I climbed the top of that thing. And so I'll get through this, you know, course that I'm doing right now, what I'm worrying about right now. So put things in perspective. It was, it was a good little driver. Nice. And finally, do you have a favorite song? Oh, probably. I just, I've been listening to a lot of seventies rock right now. It's been really good. Nice. Um, bit of nostalgia <laughs> yeah uh, well I mean I didn't grow up in the 70s but definitely 70s rock I mean just you know I think everyone grew up with it at some point right um, to be honest this is such good such good music um, yeah right now I I, I I get in a weird habit the last year year and a half at least I've been listening every time I go for a run I'd put on you know Guardians of the Galaxy soundtrack Man, that's so good. And it's just like <laughs> <laughs> like the best of the best 70s, uh, early 80s rock. Like, it's good. Nice. Definitely do it. Nice. <laughs> Energize cool, for man. sure. <laughs> My favorite four. All right. I got a couple of things left, and then I know you have to get ready for your meeting this morning. But I was just curious. Personally, Simon, with your career and getting jobs and progressing forward, do you think your international travel experience and experience studying abroad, living abroad and working abroad has been an advantage for you when you've been sitting for going for a job? And do you think sometimes perhaps that that will be the point that gets you 
the job over somebody else who maybe has the same kind of qualification, same kind of career experience, but perhaps hasn't had that life experience. Yeah, totally. Uh, I think, I mean, at the end of the day, with more experience, one, one, achieve, one, one gains better understanding of, of their thoughts and, and belief systems. And, I mean, that's really what an interview is all about, right? They're trying to understand what are your beliefs, what are your, your, what are your ideas, what can you give to the company that, you know, that you're interested to work for? Just like in a social setting, to be honest, we all do it consciously or subconsciously, but there is some sort of trying to create a connection between individuals just in a, in a corporate sense. They're trying to make a buck. That's the difference. Um, but so, yeah, traveling and getting out there and pushing and, 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 um, and just challenging your beliefs and your potential, then that really allows you, gives you the sort of the tools for sitting in front of a, um, a potential employer to, to sort of frame your mindset to achieve what you're ultimately trying to achieve, which is getting that job. You know what I mean? I think that's, um, uh, I think that's really important. Mm. To have uh, That's how life, I think, yeah, life experiences are underestimated by a long shot, but I think it's slowly changing. That's good to know. It's good to know. Now, I'm aware, Simon, during these pandemic days, you bought a vehicle and you've been traveling around California with your wife. I was just curious, as things start to open up again and things start to normalize again, do you have any plans of where you might go next, whether that's within the USA or abroad? Yeah, uh, I trying to work that out. We had planned to go to um, Peru, actually, and go to Machu Picchu, but that was... Mm-hmm. Um, that was for last year, and the yeah pandemic sort of put that all on hold. So we're thinking we're really itching to to get out, and we have done a couple of road trips. We went to Yellowstone, um, which is beautiful. If you haven't been to Yellowstone, it's fantastic. It's sort of the first ever amusement park really ever built mm-hmm. um, because it was around a you know natural space. Um, so definitely go there. But um, we're thinking about going to Hawaii and going to going to some of the islands there, some beautiful um, different um, sort of climates. You can appreciate in Hawaii, it's not just about sun and surf, but I guess there's the volcanic mountain ranges and um, some of those mountains go way up and there's some some stellar views and night skies to be appreciated there as well. So I think that's next in the books, going to Hawaii. Awesome. That sounds intriguing, mate, and a place that I'd be curious to visit at some point in my life as well. I, my parents have been there four or five times, I think, something ridiculous like that. Me still yet to go, but one day Do it could be a nice place to explore too. Nice. <laughs> well, Simon, I know you have to get ready for a meeting this morning, but I just wanted to say thanks for the chat. It's been really nice catching up. And uh, yeah, I hope you enjoyed coming on the Nostalgic Vagabond podcast. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the Nostalgic Vagabond. I hope you enjoyed listening to our conversation. And if you would like to listen to other interesting talks on travel, there are more podcasts available. Check them out wherever you get your podcasts. And for updates, just follow me at The Nostalgic V. Don't forget, your journey is special. Own it. I've been Alan Hill. Until next time. 
Hey guys, if you enjoy listening to The Nostalgic Vagabond, why not support the podcast? If you haven't already, subscribe, and you'll be notified when new apps drop. You can also support the podcast by leaving a rating or a review on your podcast app. Why not share this episode? Tell your friends about it if something resonated with you. Word of mouth is great promotion. If you're into social media, maybe post a screenshot of the episode or upload the link on your profile so your mates can see what interesting content you've been into lately. All your support comes straight back and helps to keep the travel content and nostalgia of this podcast going. Cheers. So don't forget to subscribe.